welcome to CrossBridge. If you're a guest with us today, I am so glad that you've joined us. And my hope for you is the same as it is for everyone here. And that simply is that you would be able to take one step in your faith towards Jesus because this is what we are all about. People keep saying the phrase, as things get back to normal, which has caused me to really wonder recently, what is normal? Who, who gets to decide this? And I don't know if you think about these things like I do, but it's always in my brain. Things like, like names or foods or traditions. What's normal here is, isn't really normal for somewhere else. When you ask for Jimmy's on your ice cream, that's not normal to me. It's sprinkles, people, but it's normal to anyone else who's grown up in the Philadelphia geographic region. Who gets to decide this? Even better, when do we get to change it? Because normal is always changing, isn't it? I've been thinking about this a lot when it comes to our topic for today as we continue in our series of guardrails, as we talk about finances. What's a normal amount that I should be making? What's a normal amount to spend on rent, maybe a mortgage or, or going out to eat? What's a normal amount that I should be spending on vacation or, or getting a car or my leisure activities? What's a normal amount of debt that someone should have at my age, at what age? What's a normal amount to give away to charities and to nonprofits? I've really exhausted my mind thinking about this because as I look around, I've realized how much others' normal impacts how I view what I have and how I use it. And when I look out around us, nothing has the potential to lure me off the road and into a ditch of debt, frustration, and discontentment, like comparing what I have to what's normal and trying to keep up with it. To be honest, I, I, I wish that I had set up better guardrails in this area of my life when I was younger. And I wonder how much money I, I could have given away or saved if I wasn't trying to keep up with normal of those around me. I think most of us, if we're being honest, we have regrets when it comes to our finances. And it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or you're not, we all battle the same commercialized materialistic monster who's constantly recreating what normal is. And, and it keeps costing us even when we don't need what they're selling. If we want to avoid the regrets of the future, we're going to need to set up guardrails in this area of our life today. We need to set up a system to keep us from straying into the dangerous and off-limits areas because we all know the world will not do this for us. So let's talk about some healthy financial guardrails. And I need to get this out of the way up front. Um, my intention today is not to, to get more from you or to guilt you into anything. That's not it at all. We do all that we can at Crossbridge to be as transparent as possible, which means we talk about anything and everything that the Bible talks about. And today my intention is not to get something from you. Instead, it's to try to give something to you. Some practical advice to making money and three guardrails to managing money. So today we're gonna to be jumping around the book of Proverbs, which is gonna be just to the left of center of your Bible. If you get to Psalms, it's right around there. It's the next book. And we're gonna be starting in Proverbs 6 and jumping around. And as you're finding it, let me remind you that the book of Proverbs is this amazing book 
designed to be a book of general wisdom. It's not specific, it's, it's from a dad to his kids. And these are principles that are applied generally and generally followed, they're gonna lead to a better life. But we can go into all of this and learn general principles about money, parenting, relationships, work. I mean, all sorts of things are in here. And today I wanna to give you general knowledge and a stay that way, but allow you to build specifics into your life. So we can't go in here and find answers to like, you know, what stock should I invest in? Or how, how long should a decent punishment for my kids be? That's not here. But I'm sure the question you have when it comes to money that many of us have, especially if you're just entering the workforce is, how can I make more money? And I think this is a normal and fine question. I think you're allowed to ask this question because God doesn't hate money. Actually, he created a great way for you to earn it. But I'm telling you from personal experience that this has actually been one of the principles that has always worked out for me from when I was in school through today. So are, are you ready to learn about how to make some money? Proverbs chapter six tells us this in verse six, take a lesson from the ants. King Solomon is pulling one of his key money principles from one of the smallest animals on earth. And here's the lesson that he's about to unpack. Verses six to 11 say this, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer. They gather food for the winter, but you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Can you pick up on Solomon's key lesson for making money here? The general wisdom that sums it up for me is found actually in verse eight. What does it tell us that the ants do? Check this out. It says that they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. They labor hard. The key to making money, the giant secret that Solomon shares with his kids. You ready? I know it's crazy. Work hard. <laughs> that sounds so elementary, doesn't it? it? It's almost too simple just to say it. But if you don't work hard and you're lazy, you can't expect any money to come your way. It's so clear. Money tends to gravitate to those who work hard. And yes, I completely agree with and understand that there are exceptions to that rule. I understand it. But remember, we're working off a general wisdom, not a specific, so it's general, but the generally hard work pays off. It pays off in school. It pays off in sports. It pays off at work. Laziness? Well, Solomon tells us that, that this will cause poverty to pounce on us and attack us like an armed robber. No, thank you. I do not want that. You know, recently I found my, myself saying the same thing that I remember my dad saying to me, who probably heard the same thing from his dad. When I was a kid and I would point at something that I wanted at a store and because I just had to have it, right? He used to ask me, do you think that money just grows on trees? 
I mean, back then I wished because how cool, how awesome would it be to have a money tree? I mean, you could just go and pick what you want. You're like, who's Benjamin? Like, I don't know, it's great. Right? But, but that's not what happens, is it? No, money doesn't normally just fall from the sky or magically appear in your wallet, your purse, or your bank account. That's not the way it works, not at all. Money comes to those, when we look at this, who work hard like ants. So if you are looking for the key to making money, it simply is this, work hard and don't be lazy. But I also think it's very important for us to balance this with what Proverbs 23, 4 says, where it says this, and this is what King Solomon says. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. You know, working hard is really important, but working too hard can cause a host of other issues that you have to deal with. So we need to be wise to know when to take a breather. I'm gonna assume for most of you though, like myself, that, that honestly, there's never a lack of things that have to get done at work. There's always another meeting. There's always another email. There's always another project that needs your attention. And not only should we work hard when we work, but we need to know when to quit. We need to know when to slow down, take a breath. You know, another translation from the Hebrew of this proverb and the, at the end of the proverb is this, to have the wisdom to show restraint. Know when to quit. Know when to show restraint. I, I know these seem ideal considering that we live in a culture who doesn't really do either of these things very well. We don't slow down and we sure don't have a lot of restraint when it comes to our money. We buy things when we want, even if we don't have the money for it. We just swipe away and we get what we want when we want it. Do you remember what it was like when we had to wait more than two days for a package to arrive? And now we look for things that could be this day, this time to arrive. We become a culture without restraint and we get what we want when we want it, whether we have the money for it or not. But I think sometimes because we work so hard for what we make that we feel entitled to do what we want with our money. Which is interesting because if we work so hard and we have all of this money, why in the world does it always feel like we don't have enough? I think it's because we're working so hard to keep up with normal. But normal keeps changing and we keep chasing it and the issue is, is, and this is a huge issue that we all have to deal with, that we're chasing something that's constantly changing. And instead of God's guardrails guiding us, we are taking our direction from culture's painted lines. We, we've got a little room for a little bit of generosity because we don't really have any margin or we don't have any surplus. And I don't believe that this is God's greatest plan for our money. I sure know that it wasn't King Solomon's plan for us. So what are we supposed to do, right? Because I, I wanna believe that each person who's watching with us today, who's leaning into their screen and listening, that you want, I truly believe that you wanna be more generous, that you wanna be more giving, that you want to be able to help anyone who's around you who's in need, especially if you're a disciple of Jesus. Well, there are three biblical guardrails that I wanna help set up for you and for me about money, and, and we're gonna learn about them and stay 
in the book of Proverbs because it talks about money all over the place. And if we take these three guardrails, they're only going to be three words apiece. They're very general. But if you apply them to your life, things will change. I guarantee you things will change. So let's look at these quickly. Our first guardrail is this. Debt is bad. I know, crazy, right? I mean, what is debt? Debt is simply spending money that you don't have to purchase things that you can't afford. For most of our country, this is done on the credit card. The plastic king. Back in King Solomon's time, he didn't have the plastic god, right? But they did have money lenders who would lend people money for whatever they wanted to use it for, but they would charge pretty crazy, ridiculous interest rates, just like credit card companies do now. And here's what King Solomon has to say about that over in Proverbs 22, in verse 7. He says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I really want to key in on the last part of this verse, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The word slave is a very strong word here. I I know that. But if you've ever been in debt, you know how well-placed of a word this is. Having debt or owing someone money is an immense amount of pressure. It's got a lot of power over your life. I know that more of us understand this than we'd really like to admit. And, you know, at Crossbridge, we try to keep things relevant. So to make this as relevant as I can for us, Um, Before the pandemic in 2019, the average American carried a little bit over $5,500 in credit card debt. But in New Jersey, it's different. It's over $7,000. That's right. We are the second highest average in the entire nation. So if you're married, go ahead and double it. And this is including your mortgage debt, car debt, your student loans, which is a beast all to itself that like, who knows what to do with some of that right now. Might as well be a mortgage debt. We're talking about straight up credit cards, many of them filled with vacations we couldn't afford, big screen TVs in our living room, who knows how many things that we didn't need, but we purchased on a whim to keep up with normal. When we have this amount of debt hanging over us, it controls us and it treats us like a slave. It stresses us out, it limits our options, and it takes more from us than it could ever promise to give us. And so many of us were drowning in it, and even worse, because we have no guardrail in this area, no restraint with our desires. We add to the debt, and then we take out more debt to pay off debit, or pay off that debt, and it's a never-ending cycle that we get stuck in. And this, this is what King Solomon is saying we need to avoid. Debt kills our chances and never gives us a chance to give freely to those in need. It kills every opportunity to enjoy life at its fullest because we're worried that we're doing something that's gonna, honestly, it's gonna cost us in the end. Having debt makes us a slave. And my dream is that each of you students in this, you know, who's watching with us right now would not deal with the same slave driver that most of the East Coast is dealing with. And worse, thinking that this is just a normal way of life. I am telling you the truth today. Debt is not normal. Simply put, debt is bad. That's all you have to remember. The second guardrail that King Solomon lays out and he goes over for us in Proverbs is this. Saving is good. (laughs) I know, simple, right? You're probably thinking, common sense, Jimmy. And I'd agree with you 100%. This is common sense. Work hard, make your money the right way, 
and then save it as you go. But King Solomon actually says it this way in Proverbs 13, verse 11. He says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Now, you don't even have to be a disciple of Jesus or a Bible scholar to understand this. It's pretty simple stuff, right? Saving money, it's good. But the reality today, according to data from the Federal Reserve, is that almost 40% of Americans right now couldn't cover a $400 emergency if it happened to them. Right now, if there was a $400 emergency, 40% of Americans couldn't cover it. They do not have enough saved in their banks to do this. And since the pandemic, statistics show that 35% of Americans say that their emergency funds are even lower than they were in 2019. Let's take it one step further, right? Why not? Most Americans don't have more than one month's salary in their savings. Experts recommend anywhere between three to six months. This means that most Americans are one emergency, one accident, one layoff away from financial ruin. And most of them don't have this in savings because they don't have a monthly budget, which means they have very little knowledge as to where the money that they work so hard for actually goes. What we need to understand is that when we have this savings, it actually gives us a cushion. It allows us to live without the fear of the one emergency accident or layoff. It allows us to be dreamers about the future. And we begin to not just think about ourselves, but we begin to think about our kids and our kids' kids. And, and, and again, in Proverbs 13, verse 22, King Solomon says that he says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. When we save little by little over a long period of time, we aren't just thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about our children's children, our grandkids. We're not responding to the moment and the normal that's in front of us. Instead, we're planning generationally. And here's the good news about this guardrail, okay? You can start today. If, if you aren't anywhere close to an emergency fund or retirement ideas, you can start to save right now. You can, today. And that's our second guardrail. Savings is good. It's, it's right here in Proverbs. And this is actually going to lead us to our final guardrail, which is giving is best. Giving is best. I say best because I believe this principle is one of the most overlooked, but by far the most powerful when it comes to handling our finances wisely. In Proverbs 19, verse 17, King Solomon says this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Look at the words that are used here. When we give to the poor, it's like we're lending to God and God rewards this. Now, now, if you're watching and you are not a Christian, I believe that there's something in every single one of us that's designed to give. I, I really do. I believe that, that every one of us understands this, whether we follow these biblical principles or not. And I say that because, you know, the truth is the average American gives away just over like 2% of their gross income. And New Jersey, again, we hit a mark 
Um, but instead of being in the, the second largest debt, we actually fall in the bottom three states where it comes to generosity. The bottom three. Do you think that has anything to do with the amount of debt that we carry that we are slave to? But the truth is that, that most people aren't complete hoarders, right? They don't hold their money so tightly and they want to help those in need when they see someone in need. I believe that we're wired this way. And I believe that we're wired this way because we are all made in the image of God who is the greatest giver. Because he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to pay a debt that we could never pay. And if we've been created in the image of this God who's given so graciously, we are then created to be givers. This is like an eternity guardrail. Think of savings as this generational guardrail, right? For your future generations. But giving is this eternal guardrail for us. And this applies to everyone. But I believe that there's another step for those of us who would call ourselves Christians. Those of us who would say that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that we do all that we can to center our lives around him and his words and his teachings. And Proverbs 3, 9 tells us this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. God does not call us to organize our money according to what is normal around us. With God and those in need getting our 2% left over, he calls us to put God as the first category, him as the first category. And I know that you're thinking like, oh, this is this roundabout way of a pastor pushing for money, right? I know what he's doing. Let me be honest with you. It's not at all. This is not about what we get. This is about learning to handle your finances in a way that is wise, that is godly, that is honorable. And when God asks for the first fruits, he's talking about our tithe, which is mentioned in the New Testament as well. This is like the first 10% of all our hard-earned money that we make that God provides for us. And this is what a tithe is. It's just 10%. And here's the wild thing about tithing. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, that we profess to follow Jesus, only about 5% actually tithe. And I want to tell you this now, um, that you are surrounded by actually some unbelievably generous people at Crossbridge. And they would be the first to tell you, probably with huge grins across their face. And they're gonna tell you how this principle of tithing that we're talking about and giving generously has changed their entire life. I know that the small group of men that I get to be a part of every Wednesday night, this idea continually comes up. And they go back to this guardrail of giving is best as a turning point for their faith. Tithing has changed their lives. They are truly living out the words of Jesus in, in Matthew 6, where he says that, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Giving is great because it forces us to put God first. And when we trust him to help us, we can place our trust in him to help us to do more with the 90% than we could do with 100% alone. We need him. And I want to tell you at Crossbridge that we try to do this with our finances as well as a whole. Because of your generosity, we get to be a blessing to so many people. 
I mean, right now, we're supporting international workers and, and missionaries globally and locally. We're helping a new church plant get off the ground, which is like a new church start in Philadelphia. We're supporting ministries to the homeless in Philadelphia. We're, we're helping local families and kids who are in need and foster care and, and all of these things. We've covered groceries for families without money for food, medical bills for people caught in, in the emergency that they never expected to be. And we, we've gotten to even, I love this, you guys are amazing. <laughs> because of your generosity, we've even supported local churches in South Jersey when they needed help. Why? Because you've been generous. And here's what I need you to see, that when the people of God, the church, us, when we come together, and give like God calls us to give, we are able to impact our community in amazing ways. We are able to accomplish more together, and God blesses that. But far too many of us can't even dream of giving this way because we don't have the margin right now. Our percentages are all messed up, and we owe our slave owner plastic gods more than we could give away. And we have chased after normal, and not after the kingdom of heaven. We've let normal decide where our money goes, and it has left us in a ditch of debt, unfulfilled with empty pockets, and nothing to help us get out. And the worst part is, the world keeps telling us this is normal, and it isn't. And it definitely isn't God's ideal plan for us. He's got a much better plan for our money. And it starts with working hard. Work hard. And then set up these guardrails for when money comes your way, any kind, any shape, any way, that debt is bad, savings is good, and giving is best. And, and please hear me on this. You can't outgive God. You'll probably acquire more money if you work hard and if you're full of wisdom. But if all you care about is getting more money, you might be the biggest fool out there. Life isn't about how much you can get for you. It's about so much more than that. And many of us, we don't need more wealth. We need more wisdom in what to do with the money that we have. So today, I want to encourage you to pause, to look at what God has entrusted to you do you have guardrails set up or are you just spending money to keep up with normal that keeps changing? Do you have a plan to get out of the debt? Do you have a plan to save? Do you honor God first with your tithe? May the Lord give you wisdom as you set these guardrails up and you create a new normal for you, for your kids, for your grandkids, and generations to come that change your family, and change the world. Crossbridge, this guardrail will keep you from so many future regrets. This isn't about what we can get. It's about what we can give. That's what this is all about. May you set up guardrails this week that guard your heart and give you wisdom. God bless. We're so glad you joined us today. We believe that steps of faith happen in community, and we would love for you to connect with us and grow in a small group at Crossbridge. Our chat hosts are dropping a link in the chat now so you can see all the virtual and in-person groups we have available. If you have questions or are not sure what group is best for you, shoot us a message. 
at prayer at crossbridgecc.org. We can't wait to help you connect. We are all about loving God, loving people, and serving the world. If you want to give to help further that mission, you can head over to crossbridgecc.org give for all the ways you can contribute.